Magandang araw, podmates. Howie Severino muli with another tantalizing conversation with a colorful Filipino achiever. Only 33, but already a basketball lifer. Charles Chu, who was recently in the news as the coach of the NCAA team St. Benild when the team was attacked by an opposing player. Probably now the most viral Philippine sports video of the year. We'll talk about the lessons of that incident later. But first, congratulations, Charles, on making the top seed of the NCAA Final Four. Not entirely expected because Letran had to lose to beleaguered uh, Jose Rizal University, uh, but which happened. Uh, Letran lost. So congratulations uh, sa'yo, Charles, at uh, magandang araw sa'yo. Thank you, Sir Howie. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, it's uh, nice to end up number one. We didn't expect it. I don't think a lot of people expect us to even make the final four. Uh, so to be the number one seed, yeah, it's it's a nice feeling. Yeah. So, uh, Charles, uh, before we discuss uh, the nitty-gritty of that, no, a lot, we have a lot of NCAA uh, fans uh, listening to this as well. Uh, you'll have to give our listeners, though, an update on your career because, uh, you know, we know you have a lot going on. It's hard to keep up with you. No? I called you a basketball lifer earlier since uh, you were a player, um, then a coach, you were an assistant coach, now a head coach, sports broadcaster, you're a commentator, at marami pang iba. No? So, please, uh, give us a quick rundown on what what you're currently involved in okay currently i'm uh, coaching the college of saint benil i'm also an assistant coach with the miralco bolts in the pba uh, i work for my family business uh, and then i have a few businesses on the side small coffee business uh, looking at another business to be more involved in and then uh, I also commentate on, on basketball games. I have an NBA show. I, I do a lot of uh, different basketball stuff, basically. And yeah, I love to drink wine, if, if that counts for anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are wine drinkers in our audience as well. So, okay, on the one hand, uh, some people might react to that by saying, wow, he's a modern Renaissance man. No, But others more critical might say, oh, he's all over the place. Now, wouldn't he, wouldn't he do better in just one field if he just concentrated i mean are you ever worried that you're spreading yourself too too thin how are you managing all of this yeah it's tough really you know to be honest i also just got married a few years ago so you know the time with the wife isn't as much as i'd want uh, but to me it's something my my body looks for i mean right before the pandemic happened i was worse i had three basketball teams uh, for a stretch was working for the family and i had a daily show in a, on another network so that was really tiring but you know I, I think it's just time management uh, I try to get as much rest as I can but it is valid you know sometimes I also wonder if it's about time to move on from basketball to just focus on working for my family because obviously it's what my dad would want for me um, but it's also a bit hard at the same time because you know I, I feel this is something I, I really love to do and it's not about the money or anything. It's just that I like coaching because I like helping people. As, you know, for our college team, you have a chance to impact lives. So that's why I find some fulfillment. I mean, I'm just a competitive person. I, I like competing and uh, winning games, uh, hopefully. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you mentioned your family business. I know Chris, uh, your older brother, well, I'll ask you about him a, a little later as well. I know he's involved in the family business. So how much pressure did you get from your family to also enter the family business despite, you know, your busy basketball uh, life? I hear it here and then, you know, I, I am still working for the family. I'm in our office right now, uh, sticking out to do this, but um 
you know, even my brother Chris wants me to do some things with him. So it's something that's definitely on my mind in the near future. The lifespan of a coach, especially, is so short. You know, you can get fired the next day. You can be jobless at any moment. There's almost no job security. So I'm like, you know, when that time comes, I'll be ready for it. If it comes tomorrow, I'll also be ready for it. But for now, I'm just happy to be where I am. And I, I'm thankful that they, they've been allowing me to, to do this because, you know, let's face it, we come from a very business-minded family. So, you know, it's something that probably... I'll have to do uh, sooner or later. Okay, you're doing all of these things, no? Which which make you busy enough. But on top of all that, nagkaroon pa ng major disruption uh, uh, this earlier this month. Uh, we all know what we're what I'm talking about, no? Your team finished the regular season, the, the elimination round, very strongly, despite the assault on your team, no? Last November 8, which I'm sure was very. Uh, emotionally wrenching. There were some injuries involved. Um, may, may, ano pa, may legal case pa, etc. No, many listeners already know what happened on the court. No, uh, Jose Rizal University player John Amores ran over to your team uh, during a break in the action and started punching several of your players, actually causing some injuries. Then uh, you helped facilitate an apology by the player, no, John Amores, who visited your team's practice about uh, two weeks later. May I ask how your team reacted to that? Well, I mean, to be honest, it was a bit awkward at the start. Although I told them already beforehand, I mean, prior, two days before that, I, I had talked to him, I spoken to him, I wanted to invite him, I asked them if it was okay. They were okay with it. And, you know, um, it, it took a while to warm up. But, you know, when they saw the guy, I guess they felt that he was sincere. You know, some of the guys also apologized for their part in, in in the incident growing up you know we also we make mistakes nobody's perfect so we have to learn to forgive people i mean i am just thankful that nobody got anything major so i guess that's why it's a bit easier but obviously the guys who got punched especially their families are still a little bit more upset i mean it's hard for me to say anything because i'm not a parent yet but i imagine as a parent seeing your kid hit like that you'd feel differently but the players themselves who got punched i think they're they're ready to move on from it and i you know i've asked them to Forgive him, and no matter how hard it is, and I, I think they have. I really think they have, and you know, we wish him the best. I hope he can bounce back from it because now he has way more to lose than than any of us who who, who were involved in this, and you know, we've moved on. So, um, I just hope they can find it in themselves to forgive him. Okay, well, you said that your players were convinced um, that he was sincere, no? But uh, of course, if you read all the comments online, uh, almost all of which were not favorable to him, no? Parang maraming cynical, uh, you know, nagsasabi na, you know, he just wants to play again and he, you know, there's a lot at stake for him. So it would be good uh, to get in the good graces of your team. Kasi, of course, there are, you might be facing uh, court cases, no? Baka, you know, there might be a pen, more than just a basketball penalty, no? Uh, penalties under the law, etc. No? So what made your team think na sincere yung, yung, yung act niya, yung pagpunta niya doon? Well, siguro because, uh, number one, he didn't have to do it. Uh, number one, we haven't heard anything else from their coaching staff or anything, not one word, even if we're friends. But this guy actually you know, had the guts to reach out to one of our players. And then I told the guy, you know, he can tell him to message me anytime. And true enough, he messaged me right away. So we spoke already. And then I was trying to, to, to talk to him a bit about it. And I tried to you know, explain that, okay, I'll talk to my players. But, syempre, hindi ka mababramis na matatanggal yung court case or anything sabi ko that's up to them I will not even push them for it and sabi naman niya and he said it also in front of the team you know he's ready to accept naman kung ano man consequences na yun parang hindi naman siya mimilit no? sige pagbigyan niyo na ako I mean that would be nice but 
you know, uh, he accepts the consequences. And uh, it turned out that the father of one of my players who got punched was there in our practice that day. So even uh, face-to-face, I let them stay in the room and just talk it out amongst themselves. So, you know, I, I know the father was still a bit upset, but at least, you know, the si Amores was able to apologize. And it, to me, it takes a lot of courage. You know, obviously, he wants a fresh start. He also did say that he wants to move on and, you know, to be given another chance in life. And I, I mean, I feel everybody deserves another chance. So, you know, we understand. Because we try to teach our players values and how to be good people more than just basketball players. So that's why I think that they can see beyond this and uh, be mature enough about what happened. Okay, well, speaking of which, no, I, I just want to uh, help you recall an interview you gave uh, to a um, writer about 10 years ago. Sabi mo that one of your goals in basketball was to coach in high school and college. Uh, not even uh, PBA yet, no? Professional I said that, huh? I don't even remember. Yeah, well, uh, if you look it up, it's there, no? And because uh, sabi mo, in high school and college, uh, you know, you can be more than a basketball coach. You're, you can be a mentor in a quote-unquote crucial stage in the players' lives where you can guide them to be better persons. That's where the fulfillment is when you teach people to be good persons, no. So um, obviously, uh, you were you were still not a, a college coach then. This is more than about ten years ago, pa, no? Then this Amores incident happened. No, it was a shocking incident, and nobody wanted it to happen. But as a mentor, it seemed like the perfect moment for you to step up and kind of practice what you just mentioned what you mentioned uh, over 10 years ago, no? where you're trying to teach people how to be good persons. No? So what were your takeaways from that? How did you step up for your players and you know, try to teach? You know, how did you make it a teaching moment as a basketball coach? It already happened. Uh, we can't do anything anymore. You know, the, the guy is already being bashed by everybody. Pretty much nobody on his side, right? So you know, I, I just asked, our players to understand it, know that he know his situation, you know, he must have had a troubled past. There, I'm a bit upset, or I'm more upset that, you know, when this happened previously, that nobody kind of guided him and corrected him. Because for us, when we have players who also are a bit of hotheads and you could say a bit more on the physical, dirty side, we try to take take that away from them. You know, we tell them we're here to play basketball, we're here to compete, not here to hurt people. So, you know, for me, when this incident happened, I just thought, you know, we, we've got to stick together as a team. We don't want anybody to be lost you know obviously the player who we also had a player who punched and he was very apologetic because you know he, he could have easily hurt and destroyed our season and what happened but you know, to us it was about sticking together we're a family we'll always protect each other and you know i i told the players i, I respect them a lot because i tell you if that happened to any other team you know, obviously there will be comments that will say you know what you guys don't know how to fight you're chicken whatever all, all these words which yeah, you can say maybe I thought easily we could have beaten him up. I mean, you run to our bench, one against 10, 15. You can get punched like crazy. But we wanted to say that, you know, we're here to play basketball. We're not here to fight. We have bigger goals, the big picture. And uh, that, that's how we're taught to play. We're not taught to you know, be dirty and, and, and fight. So that's our emphasis. And then when this happened, you know, we said, again, you know, life is about second chances, about opportunities. And for us, it's about being the better person. You know, uh, we just want to represent our school with class and honor. And because, you know, I told them, 
when you do certain things, sometimes you don't think, you know, I, I said, you punch a guy, maybe you say, yeah, it feels good. But 10 years from now, what does it do? Does it make you any better? Or do you gain anything more by saying you knock somebody out? It doesn't change your life for the better. But you know, it shows more to be a peacemaker. To it's it takes more character to hold restraint, and that shows more of a man. And you know, again, when you do our actions, it reflects not just you, but it reflects your family, the people around you. So you know, we have to be mindful of the things that we we do in life. Should a player like John Amores with that tendency and record? Because I, I know we know that he he had a record. It wasn't kind of the first incident. This is the most flagrant, obviously. You know. But should they still be allowed to play in a college league? Ooh, that's tricky. Uh, I don't know if they'll ever allow him, but I would still say yes. Uh, I, I would say obviously he probably has to you know, pay the consequences first. But I think when that happened, I wasn't even sure if he was suspended or what. But to me, it's really up to the people guiding him. They have to find a way to help the kid to change his behavior because if not, it'll just keep happening again. But if you ask me, uh, I still give him a chance, to be honest. Okay, yeah, just, you know, I'm part of an Ateneo Viber group. Alam ko, alumni ka rin, no? Yes. Alumnus, no? I, but uh, I'm obviously part of an older generation. So, I'm part of a Viber group of older alumni uh, that discuss that incident, no? Uh, in the context of our own era, in the 1970s, lalo na, no? When I was uh, in high school. Uh, rumbles were frequent, no? Rumbles, not, not just on the court, but outside, no? Uh, well, in, in the stands, outside, which caused uh, Ateneo and LaSalle to leave the NCAA. Because if you recall, no, Ateneo and LaSalle were part of the NCAA for decades. No, They were among the pioneering teams. And then that's when they moved to the UAP, which has since, because of that move, become the more glamorous league. No, uh, That was a drastic uh, move. And I think it was made, I guess these, these schools... Uh, felt it was necessary because the league, the NCAA, was not doing enough, no, to curb this violence, no. So, uh, as a league, what should it do to prevent that kind of uh, incident from happening again, and maybe forcing schools again to leave the the league because uh, of a disappointment in in the uh, response by by the league, no? Or is this being regarded now as kind of a one-off incident, isolated incident. Uh, okay, just deal with this one person uh, and then, you know, we'll just move on from that. It's tricky, you know, obviously, I don't want to get in trouble with the NCA man. <laughs> but, uh, to me, the NCA has always been known as a bit of a more physical league, let's face it. I mean, that's the honest truth. They let players get away with more holding. Uh, it's a bit rougher, for sure. I mean, hands down, I've watched the UAP for so long, been so close to the Ateneo teams. So, I mean, if they allow guys to play that way if it's not in the rules then obviously it tends to be a bit more physical and the chances of plays like these incidents like these happen more often than not but again to me it could happen anywhere um you know you, you could see fights even in leagues outside obviously it's a bit less a uap and nca because it's televised so many people are watching you can't really do those things but brawls or fights happen a lot in basketball it's sometimes it's part of the game i guess what made it worse than what it seemed was that there were innocent guys who weren't doing anything just trying to stop it and get get clocked or charging at a bench but i just wish they focus more on allowing guys to just play basketball like let the skill of the players come out i'm a big believer in that and that's why i tell my players more than anything we have to be tough uh, because the nca is a tough league it's a big boy league if not you're not gonna last but let's show beautiful basketball let's play the game the right way and let our skill uh, do the talking well, uh, you know, uh, Saint Benilde is uh, a La Salle school. No, it's a sister school of, of 
De La Salle uh, University, and we know that you know the DLSU Green Archers is a legendary name in Philippine college basketball. And and uh, let's face it, it's considered the more prestigious uh, name, the more prestigious uh, team. Has there been competition in player recruitment? You know, you guys are recruiting from all over the Philippines. You're identifying probably the same quality players. Nag-uusap ba kayo ng lasal na, uy, amin yung player na yan? And, you know, this isn't a context, may real-world context ito. You've got some really good players, no? Sa St. Benil. I mean, you have uh, Will Gozum, who's an MVP candidate. Was there competition, for example, for his services with Lasal, or do you guys uh, at Saint Benil regard Lasal as just another school competing for the same star recruits? Well, uh, that's a good point. You know, to be honest, if we know Lasal's getting another player, we don't even try. Uh, if we know the big UAP schools, Ateneo, NU, UP, Lasal, or after them, we're like, you know, forget it. You're not going to be able to match any of the offers these guys are getting. Actually, a bunch of our guys that are playing right now, they're, I wouldn't say rejects, but that's what I, I tell them. You know, you guys were cut by your school for one reason or another. You, That's why we have something to prove. Let's prove to everybody that they made a mistake in letting you go. So we believe that, we really believe in giving guys an opportunity to showcase their talents, you know, where maybe they just didn't fit the previous coach, their previous team. Maybe they weren't given a chance, but we want to develop players and we want to show that they belong, that they play basketball. I mean, a lot of our guys came from UAP schools when they were cut, they weren't getting to play. Uh, with regards to that LaSalle uh, question, that actually, the I know LaSalle has been trying to have this theme called the one LaSalle where, you know, everything's kind of integrated yeah. together. But the good thing, though, is that some of our sponsors right now are also very much affiliated with the De La Salle team. So you know, there's some sometimes when I think when they're overloaded with players, they try to pass them on down to us and try to push the players to choose CSB since, you know, we're LaSalle Ngare. But of course, that doesn't always happen. You know, there's a LaSalle player who went to Letran instead of CSB. Uh, you know, it, it, it's tough. It's really up to the players but in a way i'm happy that the of the support that we've been getting to csp i i can't complain uh, that the support has been uh, pretty good okay you didn't always have the best record in the ncaa no yung, yung team was saint benil no uh but you were competing for the top seed in the, in the final four uh with letran so you had to beat um san beda letran had to beat um jerry oh jerry had a losing record no and letran had a pretty good uh record Letran ended up losing by a pretty wide margin. It wasn't very close, no? There was one headline that said, uh, Letran loses to JRU in a stunner. And then you tweeted a, a, a response. Sabi mo, not exactly a stunner. We saw this a mile away, LOL. You didn't exactly say this was a deliberate tanking or losing, no? But um, sabi mo, you know, Letran obviously did not want to face Anbeda. Uh, which has been their arch rival in the NCAA for a long time. But eh, give us some context, no? <laughs> Behind that tweet, of course, being a top seed, you know, there's some prestige to it. But uh, yung yung habol nyo talaga maging champion, di ba? So if it's true that they, you know, they they didn't really play their best defense <laughs> against JRU, uh, they they wanted to choose their opponent in the final four, thinking that it would give them a better chance of becoming the champion, no? Uh, so, anong anong take mo dyan? Is that is that a legitimate uh, gamesmanship strategy on the part of a team, any team? 
I, I would say so, to be honest. You know, obviously people would say, yeah, you'll get karma one way or another for choosing your opponent. That's happened so many times already in the PBA, you know, and then uh, you end up losing anyways. But <laughs> well, let's face it, Letran has nothing to prove. They've been the best team in the NCAA for pretty much two years. They haven't lost. They didn't lose a game till their first loss earlier this season. In what? They had a very long winning streak. They're the two-time champions. Um, what was more important actually would be the matchup. Letran struggled twice against San Beda. San Beda played them great. And, and no disrespect to Lyceum, but even some guys from the Lyceum camp that I was talking to, like, yeah, I mean, they kind of felt like Letran would try not try to win or not try to play so hard against Jerry to play Lyceum. Even Lyceum admits, and they know that San Beda is a different story. You know, San Beda, to me, in the last 16 years, they've been the best college program both UAP and CAA. They have more championships than Ateneo in that span. They've only not won, what, four times? They're so talented. They may be a bit young. Uh, they have a new coach, but they're, they're, they're a different program. And the playoffs is a different story. So, you know, in a way, it makes sense for Letran. They'll never admit that they deliberately lost, right? But it was a good chance for them to let other players play. The guys who don't get to play much, make sure nobody gets hurt, kind of coast through it, use it as a bit of a practice or one final tune-up for the playoffs. So, to me, to be honest, it made sense. I, I wasn't accusing Letran of anything. Uh, that's, I just said that I was just shocked more at the headlines saying that <laughs> it's a stunner. There's, oh. It wasn't stunning. It's something I told my team before our San Beda game. I told them right after the game that it was bound to happen. And it did happen. So, that's why we were kind of expecting it. That's why we were preparing to play San Beda, actually, more than uh, Lyceum. Obviously, you know, we... We would have preferred to play Lyceum. I know disrespect to them, but uh, because it's just more of the respect we have for San Beda and their their program. So now obviously there's a big banter between Letran and San Beda fans. They they oh it's going at it online. But to me, uh, Let Letran, I, I would say it wasn't a bad decision at all. Okay, moving on from that. Before you became head coach uh, and made a name for yourself, no, you were often regarded first. As the younger brother of Chris Chu, no, a PBA national team player, a star for the Ateneo Blue Eagles, he's four years older than you. No, uh, what was that like? Did you ever feel you needed to get out of his shadow? Actually, never. You know, in fact, uh, I think my love for him is really great. I was probably his biggest fan. You know, when he was in Ateneo, I would not miss a single game practice game on weekends i'd watch i'd go right with him i think in his whole uap career i maybe missed one game due to class i even would be late to my accounting exam in ateneo you know how hard it is right uh, just to watch his game uap game uh, in the pba i'd almost watch every time when he was playing for gilas i'd watch every, almost every game of his i'd try to travel overseas if i could just to watch him and you know i think i owe a lot uh, to him basketball wise also i mean wh whether i like it or not it was because I ended up being very close to his head coach for Gila, he coached Raiko Toroman back then, that I ended up into coaching. I had no intentions to coach at all. I wasn't even thinking. That wasn't anywhere near my in my vision of what I'd end up doing. But the guy one day asked me to be part of his staff. I'm like, well, national team at 21 years old, of course. You were 21. Uh, that came, I guess, out of the blue. 21-year-olds uh, usually don't uh, join the coaching staffs of national teams. No, I mean, you know, set aside your modesty for uh, for a bit. And what did he what did he see in you? Uh, obviously, this was not just a father-son relationship. No, uh, he saw some uh, professional potential in you as a coach. Never really said why, but I think he just trusted me. I think the way I saw the game. Uh, was kind of in the same level as his. Like we saw a lot of things eye to eye that maybe 
some people see the game differently, but the way we understood it was pretty much the same. And it, it's not like I, I don't think I changed anything much in his system. I was more just trying to suggest things or listen to him and, and learn from him, obviously. And it wasn't always easy for older coaches to accept me being part of that staff. But it just happened one day. He just went up to me and said, I, didn't, I never asked for anything. He just said, I spoke to MVP. I asked him if I could bring in as an assistant. And MVP said, okay. Uh, in fact, at that time, I don't think they were ready for to put me in. They just made my title on paper in a contract like a liaison officer or something like that. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of, I guess, politics in, in, in this sport. But we talk almost every day. You know, he, we just became really good friends. And I think he just needed somebody he could trust that will always be honest to him. And I guess maybe he saw I also had a good relationship with the, with the players. I get along with a lot of players. So... I'm that extra ear or voice of reason to kind of be on his side to support him because it's very important for a coach that his staff supports him. We've seen many staffs, many coaching staffs where the assistants aren't always on the same page or some guys may have different agendas and that's not good for the team. But you know, he knew he could trust me and I think that was important for him. That was a real apprenticeship with one of the best. No, I'm sure that had a lot of... Uh to do with what you're doing uh, right now. No? And what's your insight on the Philippine style of play? There's been a lot of criticism kasi in the past no, about the Philippine style of play. There's too much one-on-one. Uh, it's too individualistic. Uh, yung Europe and you know the better teams in the NBA. It's really team play. It's pass first. They pass it around. Do you agree with that criticism, first of all? And um, are we? how are we evolving in terms of a uh, national basketball culture? Well, we do have a tendency to play a lot of one-on-one, let's face it, a lot of uh, ISO balls. That's what we see so much in the NBA. But, you know, you have to realize the reason why NBA players do it is because they're so skilled and they're so good. They don't need to do all these uh, little movements to get the best shot. But in Europe, where you're not as skilled, you have to work a bit harder to get the best look. And because teams are so smart, you have to try to outsmart your opponent with little things, uh, in, in little details, little quirks on their offense. But in the NBA... You're so talented. I mean, you have a guy like Kevin Durant, seven-footer. How are you going to guard him shooting a, a jump shot, right? I mean, we don't have that talent here, which is why I believe we need to have a bit more Euro influence. Uh, but to me, it's really about the culture of the way we play, the way we're taught to play. And I don't think there's enough emphasis on fundamentals growing up uh, from young kids all the way to the pros. I mean, sometimes it's mind-boggling when you get to the PBA and you'd be like, wow, guys don't know these certain things or little things that you expect them to know. And it just shows the level of coaching perhaps at the lower stages that maybe needs to improve. That's why, you know, I know there's always been a lot of opposition to foreign coaches here, you know, not allowing them to be head coaches or what, whatever rules, which I think is crazy to be honest, because no, they elevate the game. We learn so much from them. That's why I, I kind of, I'm close to Coach Tab. I've been close to Coach Raiko, uh, Coach Nenad, who was the coach of Gidas for what one window. I became close to him too because I want to try to learn as much as I can from all these foreign coaches. I mean, I know they're saying, well, the head coach could take a job from an assistant coach, but who could do the same job. But to me, it's about learning and evolving our game. That's why, you know, we're trying to learn constantly and trying to be better. So that should not be seen as a threat, but as an opportunity to get better. That's the way I see things. And they bring a lot. They bring a lot to, to basketball. Okay, you mentioned foreign coaches and you mentioned Tab Baldwin in particular. He's the longtime coach now of uh, Ateneo senior team, no? the Blue Eagles. Uh, and he has a lot of international experience in other countries, not just America. No? So how do you think he has changed the Ateneo style of play? Because Ateneo has been 
very successful under him. I, I mean, Ateneo was successful even before him. No, they, Before Tab, uh, there was another foreign coach. I don't know if you'd still consider Norman Black foreign. He's been in the Philippines for so long. No, Have these foreign coaches um, made a permanent dent on the Ateneo style or Ateneo culture uh, in terms of basketball? I, I work with Coach Tom. I see him every day. I'll see him later. I think he considers himself Filipino. Uh, <laughs> their styles are very different. Obviously, they Norman has five championships, so maybe it's a little bit more success than Tab in that level. But uh, with, when it comes to Tab, he really changed the way they played. You could see, and you know, the way he played, the offense they were running for a while, you'd see other teams try to emulate it. Defensively, you'd try to see a lot of, lot of teams trying his schemes out. I mean, I myself base a lot of what I do also defensively, at least from Coach Tab's system. So, you know, he does a lot of good things. And with Coach Tab, he's really a teacher. That's the most important thing. And that's what players at this level need. They need to be taught to play basketball the right way. It's not always just about scoring this and that. It's the little details that are often left out. And I think the nicer thing is when you see his most of his player, former players playing in the PBA or what, um, they're all having success, uh, even if they may not be the most talented. And you can see that they know how to play the game the right way. And that's, I think, the testament of uh, to, any, to any coach, really. Mm. What, what will it take for the Philippines to compete again as a world power no because i i'm my father was is a was a basketball fan as well from the from the 50s and 60s Zaga. we were considered a basketball power in the world no before all the europeans came up no and became powers themselves no but um what was the difference back then do you think or what or what what is wrong today do we just lack size or is it a style of play or is it just that Everyone else has learned the game and they're really much better in, in athletics than... I think it's years. a combination of both. I mean, back then, I guess in your father's time, obviously we were colonized by the Americans. We had a bit of an edge. The Asian countries weren't as developed yet in terms of basketball. They were all playing football or whatever sport it may be. So and we were the early learners, I guess, uh, and it, it, it worked to our advantage. But obviously, as soon as the other teams started catching up, they're, a lot of them are bigger, more talented than us. Uh, size is a very big part of basketball, no matter what you say, the physical ability. I mean, I guarantee you, if we had the same size as these European teams, we'd be a world power too. Uh, but it's not always easy to win when you know your wings are 6'4", 6'3", 6'4", and that's the size of the point guard of another team, right? Uh, so th that's really the big challenge. Uh, Talent-wise, we're still there. We're not that far off. Maybe teams are more talented than us, but maybe they play at a higher level also than us, which is why I really think when we're exposed to the international game, international coaches, having more imports, uh, it will help us in, in the long run, whether we like it or not. Uh, but of course, I always use an example that you look at some guys in the NBA. We've seen small guys too. It doesn't, it's not always about size, but definitely size, size helps. Well, you're not considering that we're one of the oldest basketball playing nations, no, and we used to be a powerhouse. Many, many local fans have been hungering for a homegrown Filipino player to make it to the NBA. No, uh, is this is this is this dream worth uh, pursuing? May pag-asabatay yan. I mean, you mentioned our typical small size, obviously. No, that's a that's a problem. But our latest big hope has been Kai Soto, who is seven two. He doesn't have that problem. Is he really the best hope for an NBA? player coming from the Philippines, like born and raised in the Philippines? Definitely. Kai is by far our best hope right now. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but 
there were times where he was just having a lull, just training. I, I, I really believe if he played somewhere else earlier, played pro in Europe, it might have helped his case. Uh, I do believe he should be playing more in Australia than the minutes he's been given for whatever reason. Because Kai has shown that he can play. Uh, but his window in the NBA is slowly closing somehow. Uh, I did hear, I mean, quite frankly, from scouts and from friends around the NBA that even leading up to the draft that he probably wasn't going to get drafted. So it was not that much of a surprise to me. Even if I know they say otherwise, uh, it made it seem like otherwise. But I haven't lost hope on Kai because you look at the root example of Hamid Haddadi of Iran. He was the same. He made it to the NBA when he was, what, 28, 29? And he was killing it in Asia. That's why I really want Kai to keep playing for the national team, play in the World Cup, have a great World Cup. All it takes is one great World Cup stint against a really good team, and they'll be like, hey, this kid can really play, and he might get in. I mean, so what if he wasn't, he wasn't drafted, right? But I don't know if uh, being back up in this Australian league would be the best for him. I mean, look, he had almost had a stint with the G League Ignite, which I thought would have been good. But when he left that, for whatever reason, that doesn't exactly make you look too good in the eyes of the NBA also. So now there's some decision that may be questionable. I, I don't know what exactly has happened. And I, I love Kai. He's such a nice guy. We had a chance to be together in the, the World Cup with the, in Greece with the under-19 team. So I really hope he gets his chance because he is our best chance as a Filipino to make it to the NBA. Yeah, but you also just said that his window is closing. Uh, I mean, he's just twenty. So why do you why are you saying his window is closing para makapaglaro sa NBA? Because you know nowadays, if you're past 23, 24, it's harder for you to get in the NBA because you know they feel they get a guy like you, the similar prototype who's three years younger, four years younger. They can develop him more, right? They feel your development won't be as much. As they, as they can versus the younger player. And it's just ironic that you know, when we finally have a real big man, the NBA game is shifting towards small ball type, you know, faster, versatile bigs who are smaller but can defend multiple positions. That's the way the basketball is evolving. Although, obviously, with the big centers like Embiid, Jokic, I mean, the big traditional big man game isn't gone yet. But you know, that, that's one of the challenges, I guess, especially with Kai. You know, he's not as active as the other big men, not as mobile. The motor isn't that great uh, compared to the, the other guys. So, you know, uh, I still hope he can develop because he's improved. You know, you see him window after window, he's been improving. And you know, I still think he has a bright future ahead. I still haven't lost hope that he will make the NBA. But if not, I'd love to see him play in some high-level team in Europe. Kaido, I just think he has to get a bit stronger. That's one. Uh, be a bit more mobile and just be able to move faster. The Philippines, you think of, when I say the word motor, a guy who come to mind would be Calvin Abueva. He needs to have that type of mindset. Mm -hmm. I'm getting every rebound. I'm sprinting down faster than these guys. He has skill. Kai's a really good passer. He has decent touch. Now, finishing around the basket isn't too great also. But again, that comes with being stronger, perhaps. I mean, you wouldn't say, apart from dunks, but underneath the basket, he's not sure about post moves. Yeah, so my room but in for, for improvement. But I think the kid needs to play more than anything. You know, you can keep drilling all you want, but if you don't get actual court time and floor court experience, then you're not going to get that much better as, as a player. Mm -hmm. Okay, before we end, Charles, uh, a little NBA talk. I know you have a, a show on the NBA. You're a big fan. Uh, any team so far that have surprised you in the NBA? Well, the Utah Jazz has really surprised me. I still don't think they'll 
last the whole season but just the way they've been playing it's nice because it's always nice to see teams that are unheralded unexpected you don't think they'll be having success but for some reason they're all playing so well they're fun to watch they're scoring like crazy and i mean that's the type of basketball you want to play equal opportunity their young coach has been innovative and you know, it's got them playing when everybody thought they'd be a lottery team now they're winning they're i mean right now close to the top of the west so that's a big surprise and that's it's nice to watch teams like those mm. well uh of course they they just lost two of their star players now they were traded away see see rudy gobert and uh donovan mitchell but are they a favorite of yours in terms of a surprise team Partly because of Jordan Clarkson, a Filipino-American team who's played for the national team. Not really, but I think Jordan Clarkson's improved a lot. Uh, I think it's Markkanen who's been the X factor for them. Olinik, they, they've done a lot of stuff. But yeah, Clarkson's been great for them. He asked my brother got to play with him, so that's that's pretty cool. But uh, I, I just find the way they play kind of cool, more than uh, supporting Jordan Clarkson, which obviously we, we root for him as, as Filipinos. Well, uh, you know, one of the more viral um, Philippine basketball videos has uh, Jordan Clarkson. You've probably seen this video throw a pass the length of the court at a level that only Kai Soto could have caught and then had him finish on the other end. No, so that's quite um, that's quite a duo if they if they continue playing together. Yeah, I'd love to see them, uh, you know, because of Kai. Now we can afford to get a wing in Jordan Clarkson, which is also what we need because his talent is still better, way better than any Filipino we have. I mean, let's not pretend. Uh, there's another player we had in the youth team, AJ Edu. He's just been hampered with so many injuries. I mean, he's such a good kid, but he's also 6'10". He, those two, him and Kai, could be our big men of the future here. So you have those. And you still would have guys like Japheth who could play maybe few more good years and hopefully some more big men Carl Tamayo they continue to develop and I still think our Philippine team will be in good hands you know I honestly think guys playing overseas will help them and will help us when they come back to play for the country okay well thank you for your insights and time uh, Charles no I, c- congratulations on your achievements good luck on the uh, upcoming uh, NCAA championships and uh, continue to be a wise mentor to your young players mabuhay ka Charles Chu thank you thank you for having me also such, such an honor thank you sir this episode was produced by the team of Aubrey de los Reyes and Pau Requesto Esquejo and edited by JR Magdoto with the wonderful people of GMA News and Public Affairs Digital. Thank you, Podmates, for staying until the very end of this podcast. And remember, nakakatalino ang mahabang attention span. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Till the next pod, mabuhay kayo at ingat lagi.